0: Hi everybody, welcome to the Hard Truth Inside the Football Industry podcast with me, Philip Eidson and Darren McAnthony, Chairman and Co-Owner of Peterborough United 2021. We've had no football, but there's lots of else, at least we've had no football for our clubs, but plenty plenty of other stuff going on. So how are you doing, Darren?
1: Happy New Year, motherfuckers. (laughs) To you lockdown lovers out there, go fuck yourselves. This is a new year. My attitude ain't changed. You're inhumane and you're a bunch of fucking assholes. sorry, that's hard to get that off my chest. <laughs>
0: that saves like the 10 minute rant later, all condensed into 20 seconds right there.
1: Phil, they're about to lock everyone up again in the UK. And uh, for some bizarre reason, they fucking love it over here, especially the celebs. They love a lockdown in the U.K. Fucking wonderful. I'm panicking right about now because obviously I'm here and my family have gone home to Florida. They're, in, they're living in freedom, you know what I mean? right about now, I'm locked up. And the only reason I'm here is football business. And if this lockdown means I can't go to games or I can't, you know, do elite football business per se, they call it. I got to get in a fucking airplane and get out of here before they lock me in with everyone else, because it's like, what
0: the fuck? You're not allowed to go anywhere then. And, And the States, what have you?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if they stop airplanes leaving here or, you know, I need a PCR test, which can take two days to get before you travel. Like when my family went back, we PCR tested them for the certificate and they flew back no problem. And then, but yeah I don't want to get locked up here with everyone else who seems to love a lockdown in the UK it's uh, it's astonishing really i mean all i've read for days is is the we need a lockdown we need to stop kids going to school i'm i'm just i just cannot believe what i'm reading and and when you disagree with that opinion you're you're accused of being a covid denier or a covid idiot you know let's get a few things straight here covid's real a lot of people have died unfortunately covid's horrible i would never deny that i've worn a mask for 10 months I've stayed away from people in certain age groups for a long time, including my own dad, who I haven't hugged for fucking 11 months. You know, he's getting his vaccine on Wednesday. Nobody's denying that. But anyone with intelligence and fucking brains can study data, can see through the bullshit as well, and can understand and realize that this one-size-fits-all solution they keep using. They did it for three months last year. They did it for a month in November. They did another tier system during Christmas. For the last 16 days, I've been allowed to go to a restaurant. I've been allowed to go anywhere. So the question is with 50,000 infections a day, like California has been locked up for months, does this work? Because I'm not really seeing any evidence that it works. And that's my frustration with the whole thing and, and punishing a whole uh, load of children, millions of children who we know have got like pretty much 000.1% chance of, of and yes, I know they can give it to parents and they can give it to teachers and they give it to grand I know all of that, but like I said to people on Twitter over the weekend, if you live with someone vulnerable, if you have a child that's vulnerable, then your decision is you don't send your children to school. But if you live in a household like me, where my wife's 45, I'm 44, our kids, we don't hang around with old people. Well, I want my children in school. And if you're a teacher over 60, you stay home from school until you're vaccinated and you get paid to stay home from school. This isn't difficult to, to sort out, is it?
0: No, it's interesting what they did here in Florida. You know, our, um, our oldest son, um, he goes to school right now and, you know, it's kind of a choice. You have the choice. Do you take, do you send them to school? Do you keep them at home? And if you keep them at home, then there's an infrastructure set up with the teachers who are doing remote schooling. So those who are most vulnerable from a teaching perspective are doing the remote schooling. And those who feel either more comfortable individually or less vulnerable from a schooling perspective are the ones that are teaching in person. Kind of a hybrid, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But if you can do that and take those steps, you do protect people. So Mm -hmm. you don't want uh, kids infecting older people and you don't want them infecting grandparents. So I always said if my dad lived with me right now, I'm fortunate where I could move him out and put him somewhere safe. Because I wouldn't give up my, no disrespect to my dad, he wouldn't want me giving up my children's education and going to school. He said it already to me. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do it. And I'm sure lots of people who are 70, 80 and 90 don't want everyone losing their businesses and livelihoods. Do you know what I mean? You know, they should shelter in place. No one wants to say it, but what they really need to do here in the UK, and this is going to upset some people listening, but this is the truth, hard truth. They need to take the percentage of people over 65 who are most vulnerable, and basically they should be the ones who are in lockdown for the next 60 days until they're vaccinated. And they've got to let everyone else get on with it. How do you reduce hospitalizations and mortality? You go after the the people that are actually most at risk and most in hospital and most dying. Take care of them, get them vaccinated and let everyone else get on with things. Because let me tell you, when I leave here, it'll be turn the lights off. The UK now is officially fucked. He's going to go into full lockdown mode tonight.
0: Is that going to affect football, do you think?
1: I don't know. I, I No one knows what this clown's going to do or say, or it depends what well, he wakes up today and he feels or wakes up tomorrow and changes his mind. I don't know. I guess the one worst thing is, is you can't plan it for anything, can you? If you own a business, you certainly right. can't plan an opening because you'll be shut down again. Football, I don't know. I've seen some people talk about points per game again, and I'm like, listen, we got we've got time. We can extend the season for League One and League Two into mm-hmm. May and June. Forget the Euros. Most of our players will yeah, still be here.
0: It doesn't matter for League One and League Two typically, does it?
1: Yeah, no, that's the champ and the prem. So I, I don't know what he's gonna to do tonight. It's the uncertainty. And you know, I'm I'm one of those fortunate people. I see people like Piers Morgan and a lot of the You know the 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 wealthy brigade who are out there calling for national lockdowns and they're like me they're very fortunate where they have money yeah can pretty much sit it out can pretty much sit at home not that they do they still go to work i can do the same but i keep saying this this isn't about me it's about my children this is about people who are not me who own businesses who work in businesses who don't get furlough money so many people there's going to be a generation so damaged from this Mm -hmm. and i understand no one's saying it's not dangerous for people of a certain age bracket. And yes, I got someone saying to me, yes, that even healthy people get it. You're absolutely right. A very, 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 very small percentage of people. Yes, you're right. But we all know now. And this whole same approach over and over, what's that term, the definition of insanity? When yeah. you do the same thing over and over and expect a different result? Well, for Boris Johnson, see Como, see Newsom. Do you know what I mean? And and it's just, it's just bonkers. I, I don't know. But look... The one thing we're going to do in the podcast this year, fuck COVID and talking about COVID and everything else. They may take our freedoms away. Um, but they're not going to take our podcast away. So <laughs> It
0: gives us things to talk about, if nothing else. <laughs> We're
1: going to do sports and football and everything else. So let's get on with the good stuff. All right.
0: Stuff. So um, I am just going to ask you one question that's related to this, and then no more questions related to COVID, and that's related to testing. So, you know, I've been reading that um, all EFL clubs are testing this week. Um, and for a lot of EFL clubs, they haven't tested since October. So that may bring up um, at least – I think it's been optional – so some have, some haven't.
1: We have. We, we bought a load of instant tests. Um, and I know some chairmen are out there on Twitter saying they're 150 quid for But you can get PCR tests now for like 45 yeah. quid. You can buy the instant tests for like 30, 40 quid. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you know, each each round of testing, if you do say staff and players, 30 people, it's about 1,500 quid now.
0: It was like four grand, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it
1: was, well, it was going to be seven grand if you did it twice. So now you can actually do it for a lot less. And that's what I'm saying now that now is the time really for the PFA to step in. Uh, for their members and help out. So we've done it. We've we've pretty much done testing, not religiously every week, but when we think there's an issue, like when we knew the player who came down with it over Christmas straight away, yeah. with it with a raffle. and and then this week when the players returned, we tested, and again today, like Baz rang me and said that he's already had COVID, so I don't know why they're testing him. So, but he was like, you know, lined up against the door and had to do an instant <laughs> test before he was allowed <laughs> in today you know, to the training ground. So yeah, but I guess that you know a lot of clubs haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And I've heard about that and they're sending their, their, I think they're sending players to the NHS for testing or whatever else, but yeah, I don't, I don't know.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I've seen that the EFL are talking about a more uh, mandated regimented mm. testing um um, you know, looking at once or twice a week, I think I think the question, as always, is who pays for that? You know, you mentioned the PFA then. Some clubs will say, like, I know City, Bradford said, look, we got to do it. We've got to do it. We'll pay for it because we need everyone to be safe. And there's other clubs who are saying, hey, we can't afford it. You know, someone's got to pay for it to happen. So I think that's that debate is still going to go on.
1: Yeah, I think, look, as long as we're not, like, shoehorned into using a certain lab, the charges then say three times what everyone else does because they might have contacts. I'm not saying that happened before you always get suspicious when you go well i can get my pcr testing for like 50 quid and they want me to pay 150 so that doesn't make any sense so look it's a lot cheaper now there's a million companies doing testing um if we have to do it for a couple of months okay so be it we'll do that i'll put it on my credit card look i don't want any of my players hanging around with anyone over the age of 50 you know for the next two months until this vaccination process finally fucking takes off our players have got to be really really sensible christmas is finished now so a lot of players, most of them live on their own. They shouldn't be living with their parents. So stay away from them. Stay in your bubble. Stay banging your misses every day, working out in the gym and playing football. That's it. That's all you need to be doing the next couple of months. If we can do that collectively as an industry, we'll pretty much get rid of all the infections we're seeing. That's my opinion anyway. That's what we're going to get back to do.
0: So we're recording here on Monday, and we had a couple of pieces of breaking news, I guess. Um, One of them was uh, a Fleetwood. Joey Barton left Fleetwood. I haven't seen the details of the story. I just saw it flash up before we uh, came in to record now. Seemed a bit of a surprise, at least on the outside. I wonder what your take on that one is.
1: Yeah, obviously, I've got agents and contacts in the game, and you hear stuff, and the whole Chad Evans thing was blowing up and whatever else. Look, he's obviously a good manager. He's done pretty well for them. It's been prickly while he's been there with various issues. Um, Andy, you know, P- Pelly is, is a good owner. He's a really patient guy. I think he's probably shown a lot of patience. Patience I probably wouldn't have shown. And I've had run-ins with Joey. So Andy's probably made the decision, you know what, I can't be fucking bothered. I've got COVID destroyed, you know, hurting my business. I've got everything going on in the world. I don't need aggro at my football club. So it was probably one rock too many. You know, and and I'm sure Joey will get work again. And I'm sure Andy will replace him with a good manager. So that's the way it goes. That's football.
0: And then you have uh, Sriki Dembele and uh, now fielding calls from uh, the press about uh, his transfer status.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm so out of sync on what day it is because I haven't left the house. Do you know what I mean? It's like I keep thinking today's Sunday. But I think I got on, it was either Friday or Saturday. I woke up I was pretty much it was Saturday, the day out. It was new year's day, it was new year's day, Saturday. Uh, anyway,
0: yeah, yeah. Friday, I think
1: I woke up to an email from my football secretary. That was basically like, um, take this as a transfer request. So i got onto it straight away and said, look, let the player know that I'm going to come and have a chat with him on Wednesday. I'll be down at the training ground because is the stuff I've got to do regards him and a few other players with regards contracts mm-hmm. and, um, just the whole fire, you know, as we said before. You know, we want to get promoted if the right offer comes in, you know, that type of thing. And then lo and behold, today, a couple of hours ago, I got a message again from this football secretary saying, Oh, the son of been on to Phil, our press officer. They're gonna break a story about Dembele. Do you want to confirm or deny? And I'm like, For fuck's sake, the agent's doing them no favors at all. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put out an Instagram about it. This is football, Phil. Um, players can, you know, act like they have single digit IQs at times. This really isn't the time. Wonderfully talented player. Yes, clubs are interested in him. Do I think they'll buy him in January? No. I've said this to him all along. It'll be next mm. summer. Similar to Ivan Tony. Uh, you know, the year before Ivan left, I had a conversation with him and his dad because they wanted to look at the offers we had. We had, had offers, I think, from Barnsley, from um, a couple of other clubs. And I sat with them and said, guys, now's not the time to leave. If you leave, you might go and get nine, ten grand a week. Yeah. If you stay and win the Golden Boot, I promise you, you're going to get weighed in and you're going to get a hell of a move. Mm-hmm. And now he's on like nearly 38 grand a week yeah. a year later. So my advice in hindsight, when I saw his dad and he moved to Brentford, his dad kind of looked at me and was like, well, you, know, you were right all along. And I was like, yeah, because this is my first rodeo. And I've said the same to Dems. Yeah. You know, be the best player in League One. Do what you got to do to help us, you know, try and win promotion. And then come the summertime, the world's your oyster. Yeah. You will end up having clubs like you've no idea that will come in and will buy you and you get an unbelievable move. Now is probably not the time. And mm-hmm. I told him that in August and I told him this again recently. So this is an agent. The timing stinks. I don't know what the player is thinking. He's an innocent lad. He's a nice lad. I know he's got family in Scotland. He probably, you know, needs to move maybe his missus and baby to Peterborough because they don't live in Peterborough. Yeah. Um, but you know, my sixth sense tells me he's gonna have to get his head down and play till the end of the season. Yeah. Because I don't think people have the funds available right now to do a move like that. Now somebody might come out of left field. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of clubs have already tried it on and taking the piss, of course, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, thrown out, you know, crappy figures. I'm not one to be bullied. You know, I've, I've said to you before, there's no better deal maker outside the Premier League. So if, it always makes me chuckle when agents want to play games with me. You get in that arena with me, you're going to fucking lose. There's only one winner. I've been doing this for 15 years. So, in fact, I emailed another agent this morning about another player, another young player, and just said, This isn't my first rodeo, dickhead. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't play games with me because you will fucking lose. And your player will lose. Do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, a distracted player, He's not focused. Yeah, will end up losing form, falling out of the team, and yeah. that's how a player loses. Yeah, and that's and everybody not. Everybody loses.
0: Want. I mean, you lose. the everyone player loses. loses. Yeah,
1: everyone loses. We're on TV on Saturday. Yeah, Dembélé. The best thing Dembélé can do this week is is train really hard, make sure he's in the team, make sure he goes out on Saturday and scores a hat trick, and tells the Premier League, "I'm ready to play at the highest level." Mm-hmm. That's what he should be doing this week. Not having his fucking agent. You know what I mean? Like contacting us about transfer requests or having stuff leaked to the press. That's how you do it. So he's got plenty of time to play at the top. He's got plenty of time to earn loads of money. Do you know what I mean? So my message to him is grow the fuck up. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like grow up. You know what I mean? Grow up, simple ass. He's got a great family. His parents are wonderful. His sister's a lawyer. His brother's a footballer at Celtic. I'm hoping his parents maybe step in here and tell him to get his head down and focus on what's ahead of him.
0: Now when you're working with a player or when uh, your manager is working with a player are you able to kind of differentiate the noise of an agent versus th- an individual as a player or you know they represent the agents representing the player that kind of come together as a package
1: My gaffer is really experienced and really good at it you know whenever there's an agent like causing mayhem and whatever else he he kind of um what would the right word be with the player he 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 has tunnel vision that it's about the squad, the performance, the players, the training, the games. So even if a player's agent's playing up, or the player can be a bit irritable or whatever else, the manager just wants to get the best out of them. So we had it with a young player and the agent's trying to say, oh, we're going to run his contract down, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And then agents can be very clever. They play on words. Oh, the club's not looking after the player. Oh, the player feels under pressure. My manager's answer to that with this particular player was, he starts playing him and he's playing him in games. And the players, you know, on merit, because he was training hard. And, and that's who my manager is. Just because you've got an agent playing up or a player might be, you know, looking at wanting to get a move or whatever else. If he trains hard and works hard, the gaffer will pick him. He would never not pick a player based on a player's behavior off the pitch or, a, or an agent's behavior off the pitch. So that's credit to my manager.
0: So just from a mechanics perspective, when somebody puts in a transfer request, I mean, what does that look like? I have visions of like the facts coming across saying, or the letter coming across saying, I want a a Uh, transfer. Let
1: me, let me, let me try and find it here in my Dropbox and I'll read it out to you. Uh, Hard truth exclusive, right? So, uh, shuck, here we go, here we go, here we go. There we go. Uh, I'm not confirming this is Dembélé. I'm just mm-hmm. a typical transfer request. This is yep. okay. Further to my playing contract, it is a regret that I request a transfer from the club. Please treat this as my formal notice. I ask my request is looked upon favourably, and I hope my reasons for the request are understood. There, there is no reasons for the <laughs> for the request in here. Thanks for the assistance in advance. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's 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 it. It's it's addressed to me, by the way. And, um, <laughs> this, this, this and,
0: just, and then when, so when you receive that, is there some, this is where I think, you know, you think about it as you're, um, an outsider and you're playing championship manager or football manager or something. And, you know, he goes on the transfer yeah. list and it's some, something that's circulated to all other clubs. Like what, what happens when someone, when, well, when that's accepted, let's say.
1: Yeah. I haven't accepted it. No, so, but just you know, if yeah, you accepted
0: he, a transfer request.
1: So if it's accepted, he gets put on the list. And then his circular ascent on the list to all clubs in the Prem and and Championship and whatever else. Look, you know, he's not going to a League One club. So you you, you circle to those and probably a few European clubs and Scottish clubs and whatever. But I haven't accepted it. Like I said, I went back and said, look, I, I want to have a conversation on Wednesday. So I've got a bit of housekeeping to do. I've got to meet some parents of players on Wednesday, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'm allowed to, obviously, with all the lockdown stuff going on. So, you know, January for me, it's why I stay behind and my family go home. And I spend five weeks on my own because I want to get contracts sorted out. If we have to sell a player, I work on that. Mm -hmm. If we have to recruit a player, I work on that. You know, I'm doing a lot of data, statistic and analytical stuff, you know, all day today, And then I like to get around the coaches, the youth, the, the management and whatever, and spend a couple of days with them talking about the rest of the season um so th- that's really my like i just got joe ward to sign a new contract yeah. he was you know he was a player only at six months left he's you know he's an asset to the football club one of the best players in league one and suddenly he could go for free do you know what i mean so i, I was really happy to get that done you know but in fairness you got a player and an agent who the player's got a young baby i think he's got another one on the way mm-hmm. he's very settled the agent's quite you know uh pragmatic about it not greedy knows there's COVID out there and it's good security for his player. Like win-win. Yeah, and that, and that probably that probably went on for about six months, you know, talking about it in the summer, talking about it again as we went into the winter. And then at Christmas, I was like, you know what, he's, he's obviously out with an operation. It'd be a good time to give him a bit of a lift. Let's get it done. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? And that was that. So, so my answer to the transfer request, yeah, I, like I said, I haven't given it. So, let's see how I get on with a player on Wednesday. 12 rounds.
0: (laughs) I think you've got the track record, though, of when people sign up for contract extensions, for example, you know, of letting them go when the the opportunity comes along and it's right for everybody.
1: We don't hold players for ransom. We never have. You get agents out there who think running contracts down is the best way to go. Nobody usually comes out any better. You are better off your player from a League One club going for big money than going on a free. Mm -hmm. If a player goes on a free, they don't get paid, in my opinion. Not from what I've seen from League One. And this is, I've had this battle with an agent this morning who's like, oh, I'm going to let a player run a contract down for 18 months. And I'm like, you're out of your fucking mind. If Peter sell a player for six, seven, eight million, that player is going to get 20, 30 grand plus a week. If that player walks out and spends all summer trying to move on a free, he'll probably get eight, nine, 10 grand a week. Yeah. So the agent's a fucking moron. And the player, as usual, is robotic and listening to the agent. Instead of listening to me, who's done this a million times, and you have to trust me, if you play for me, you have to trust me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fuck with your career. and I'm not going to fuck with the football club's asset. I'm going to do what's best for all parties. And we're going to get there in the end of perfect compromise. And I've done that. Like I've said, you know, I can list on the wall. All the players have gone on to be millionaires yeah. from, from us onwards. So again, you know, I don't need to promote that as a fact.
0: So what are you expecting from the window this time? You know, January windows typically seem to be um, a seller's market. You know, desperate clubs are buying, whether it's um, to try and stave off relegation or to uh, cement places in playoffs or whatever. You know, because of COVID and everything and the salary cap now, is that changing? Is January going to be a a buyer's market?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. Clubs need money. So it's going to be tough out there. Um, You know, right now we have... What are we looking to do? We're looking to move a few young players on loan. Mm-hmm. We actually had Bradford in for one of our players. Um, I can't go into that, and I can't even remember who the fucking player was now. But, but anyway, it was, um, uh, you know, Bradford a couple of other clubs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean, have been on about loaning a couple of our youngsters out, and um, which would be good moves for them. Yeah. So right now, it's it's more about getting those three or four players on the fringe of the squad who might. But in saying that, I said to the manager the other day, "Look, we're going to have thirty-five fucking games here in a minute yeah. to play in four months." Because he was complaining he had like 25 players at the training ground this week. And I'm like, you might need all 25 of those players. you
0: suddenly down to like 18, 19, and then you get some injuries. And I mean, that's what happened with us. You can't buy a win.
1: You're playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And say they had another game in the week, and you're playing four games. And like you said there, you've only got 16, 17 man. You know, we already have like five or six youngsters make up the 24-man squad. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you kill kids like that if you had to play them four times a week. So I just said to the gaffer, just be very, very careful. You know, and anything we need to do. So we're we're not looking to be overly busy. Um look if someone comes in and knocks my socks off on an offer for in that belly, he'll go. Yeah. And he'll get replaced. That's how it works. If he doesn't go I don't see us bringing anyone in.
0: Now, somebody you did let go was a 13-year-old, um, Sam Proctor to Villa.
1: Had no choice. Had no choice.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to talk a little bit about because, um, you know, I saw a tweet actually from your co-owner, Jason Neal, mm. you know, saying that you get offers v- pretty regularly for academy players. And, uh, you know, most of the times he he responds with a picture of his shredder uh, to those offers. So, you know, when you do let a, a kid go who is uh, so young, like what's – What's the determining factor between letting somebody go and saying, hey, you know, we want to keep them in our academy?
1: As it stands, um, when you have a player under a certain age, it's a 13, you can't offer them a pre-pro contract. Mm -hmm. So you have very little wiggle room when it comes to the rules. Someone can come in and take them. It goes to a tribunal and there's a whole table on what you get. You get 75 grand, you get X amount on a contract, you get X amount when they make an appearance. You end up making maybe 200 grand plus a sell-off. So what we do is if we feel we're going to lose a 12 or a 13-year-old, Barry gets onto it and starts negotiating with multiple clubs. Man City, Villa, Chelsea, there was four or five clubs in from the Premier League. Mm -hmm. We ended up getting six figures, plus we got a lot more locked in. Now, in reverse to that, we have a 15-year-old in the under-18 team who every club in the Premier League is trying to buy, and they think they can nick him for like 200 grand. We've had, I think it's Brighton. We've had, who else? Wolves, because he's, he's Portuguese, this kid. So mm-hmm. naturally, Wolves were at the table. We've had, you know, probably four clubs put in offers like that. But what they didn't realize is he's already signed a pre-pro contract, Because Barra doesn't mess around, mm-hmm. uh, when he turns 17, which allows us then to set a price what we want. Okay. So no one can steal him anymore. Yes. So then we had like one of them even talk about half a million, and we're like, no. Now, f- in fairness to Jason, my partner, a big part of what he wants to do is he loves the academy. He doesn't want to lose players like that. Mm-hmm. With a 15, 16-year-old knocking goals in for the under-18s, he's got a bigger chance of getting into our first-team squad than, say, a 12, 13-year-old goalkeeper who very talented kid, called up by the England. But you don't know in five years' time what he's, what's going to happen with his life. So, you know, we didn't have it. If, if we had a higher category, we would have got more money. You know, if we were maybe in the championship, the top end, maybe the kid and his parents wouldn't have gone to Aston Villa. Yeah. So all of those things, that, in fairness, the parents were brilliant about it. They took the time. He went and visited the various clubs. They made sure it was the right move. You know, some parents can be about greed and money. It wasn't that for these parents. This was about you know his development as a player. Mm-hmm. But like Jason's right, we we do shred a lot of offers. Last year, I think we sold two eleven-year-olds or twelve-year-olds for like two hundred grand. And Baz, I called you know Baz. He was like a child trafficker. I mean he was selling <laughs> so many teenage kids? Sorry, you know it's an inappropriate joke in twenty twenty one. Fuck wokeism. So yes, yeah, so uh, you know I do joke about that, but Jason's right. We don't want to keep losing the talent because we're trying to be a club that every year is two or three of these talents getting into our first team squad. So in six years' time, over half of the squad are all homegrown. Yeah, and if you keep selling thirteen and fourteen-year-old talented players, if you can't keep them. It's going to be very difficult to do that yeah
0: um, no you mentioned about you know as you get a little bit older you can um the path to the first team is a little bit more um not proven but you can be a little bit more confident like the risk factor goes down the older they get and i think one of the examples Absolutely. you know you have ronnie edwards right now who's what 17 year old who in the halfway ratings that alan swan did in the peterborough telegraph actually rated him as they um gave him an a uh, I think the highest uh, rating he gave, and I'm sure that's just based on expectations versus what the reality was. But, you know, when you get to that age, you've got a pathway for them to come through to the first team.
1: Well, if anyone follows me on social media, I was talking about Franz Beckenbauer in the summer mm-hmm. and everyone was like, what he talking about? And obviously, you know, that's unfair me putting that pressure on the kid. But I said to the manager, and I said to my partners in the summer when myself and Baz brought the kid in, this kid could play on our first team tomorrow. Yeah, And that was in the summer. And no word of a lie. If he played the rest of the season, I wouldn't even share. I, I, I would not be worried whatsoever. He is the most composed. Liverpool need a centre-back? Let me tell you right now, that kid could go and play tonight against Southampton. Yeah. He wouldn't sweat. He's. I've, I've never seen anything like him as a defender because we've had attackers come through the U team. We've had midfielders come through. I've never seen a centre-half like this kid. Never. And if he played the next 10 games for us, I would and I, I would back this up. I would I would I would hazard a guess the top ten clubs in the Premier League would put official bids in by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, I'd retire from football. <laughs> that's that's how good this kid is. And what I love about this kid, he is not greedy, not agent driven. He is football driven. His yeah. dad, his family, his brother plays for West Ham Academy, they are football driven. I love that in a young player. And nothing phases him. And he's missed this week because of COVID. So he's out for 10 days. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. he'd probably be playing on Mm -hmm. Saturday in front of the TV cameras. But, yeah, I've seen some of our fans today talk about us buying center halves. And I'm like, you out of your fucking mind. We don't need a center half. You know what I mean? Like, this kid is as good as it can be. So Swanee's right about the eight, you know, not to build up too much hype. Thought he was a bit harsh in some of the scores he put in there, considering the circumstances. Thought he could have given out better grades. And he probably got a few of them spot on. So, uh, but you know, we've played eighteen games, haven't we? For fuck's sake! I mean, we're not even halfway.
0: <laughs> You're fifth in the leads in the league, so you know while you want to be miracle. first or second in the league.
1: Miracle, miracle, Phil. When we when we closed down, I said to everyone, we're going to be fucking ninth or tenth by the time we get back, and here we are four four weeks later or whatever it is. To be still fifth is an absolute... I, I can't believe it. I'm just astonished, you know? Anyway, we're going to get up that league.
0: And you're, st- and you're in the playoffs on a po- uh, points-per-game basis as well, where you weren't a couple of weeks ago and you haven't even played a game.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, I, I never want to hear the words points-per-game basis ever fucking again. Even if we were 10 points clear, yeah. and I'll stick by this because everyone said I wouldn't, I would not vote for points-per-game. Mm-hmm. Even if we were 10 points clear, because I have integrity... And I believe football clubs should play football. So the vote to not play football, you will never get from me. Ever.
0: Well, on that note, let's go into a short break. We've got some questions to come back with. Um, we do actually have on the docket, uh, we talked about the um, the economics of a football club. We did our part one a couple of weeks ago. We do plan on doing that in a week or two. Um, we just want to make sure that we aren't rushing some of the questions that we've got over the break. So we'll be back in um, a moment with some questions from listeners. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Hard Truth Podcast. And I do have some listener questions. Before we go there, just wanted a quick uh, update for folks on the business podcasting community that we're looking to build. So uh, it's something we've been working on over the holidays. We're really excited to finally start getting the wheel moving. But uh, just any thoughts you had to share with, uh, with the listeners on what we're building?
1: Yeah, look, a lot of people are sat at home at the moment. They're going to be sat at home for a bit longer with the lockdown. It's about to happen. So PartTruthBusiness.com is going to launch, and if you haven't got a job and you want to learn how to ace a job interview, you want to keep a job, or if you're in a job and you want to get promoted, you want to learn how to get promoted. If you're thinking of opening a business when all this madness has ended and there will be plenty of opportunities, great. If you're thinking about changing your life, your mindset, if you want to be a winner, if you want to have the mindset that's got me to where I am, and listen, whether people like me or dislike me, they have to respect what I've done in my life, um, you know, and that's documented. Don't believe everything you read on Wikipedia. But you know, I've done some good things in my life. And if you want to know about that, and if you want to hear my thoughts and my mindset on the process of how I became successful and made myself into who I am today, and have all the nice things around me and the success and the wealth and the happiness and all that comes with it, you need to sign up for what we're going to do. It's going to be a subscription, by, uh, you know, type thing. You're going to pay a few quid a month for it, but you're going to get plenty of um podcasts like what i've just spoken about about careers about life about wealth about opening businesses about how to deal with setbacks you know because i'm one of those i've never really believed in failure there's no such word as failure only setbacks, and you know and how to mount comebacks if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of that in life and whatever else you need to sign up for this because this is going to be well worth whatever we charge whether it's going to be 10 quid 20 quid or whatever it is a month you're going to get access to these episodes you're going to get invited to a call every month and a Zoom call where we're going to talk to our members, take questions on what's going on in their life. What do they need? advice. You're going to get direct advice from me. If that's of value to you, you need to email.
0: Well, you can now go. We have a sign up form, hardtruthbusiness.com. And that will take you to a form, pop in your name and your email address. That'll put you on the, the email list. And then as soon as we're ready to share more information, we're going to be doing that and you'll, uh, we have captured your information.
1: You will get, by the end of January, this launching. Yeah. So if you want to be part of the early signups to this and enjoy it and experience it and think this will make a difference to what you do in life, you know, put your balls out there, you know, or whether you have balls or not, and <laughs> uh, get signed up because this is, listen, this is for female and male. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, my best closers who work for me in my sales businesses over the years, funny enough, for females. And I'll go into that as well when we talk about it. So each week we're going to talk about different variants of the business life. And we talk a little bit about it on the podcast, and we're going to preview some of it on these podcasts until the actual official Hard Truth Business launches. So it's exciting. Go to hardtruthbusiness.com, uh, register your interest, and uh, let's get you rocking and rolling because this is something we can help a lot of people. All right,
0: I'm looking forward to getting started. So we have some questions. So let's jump straight into the questions. First one from Simon. Uh, Simon says, is both a posh fan, but keeps an eye on the results of Man United. Were there any plans given Dara's, uh, sorry, Darren's uh, obvious connections with the club to loan more players when Sir Alex was in charge?
1: No, to be fair. Um, you know, I, I'd be a fool if I didn't say part of your thinking that when I was hiring the, you know, the, one of the greatest managers mm-hmm. that ever lived, his son. Uh, I was thinking, great, we're going to get some of the talent from United, but it actually went the other way. Yeah. It was really difficult to get loan players, and when we did get them, they were trying to charge loan fees. There was no favoritism. No
0: friends and family discount.
1: No, and I used to fight with a gaffer over it in the early days. And in the end, we gave up doing it. It was just like, you know, we we'd a few in, they were okay, some of them. Some worked, some didn't. But there was no great advantage. And you know what? In fairness to the gaffer, I'm sure he's sick of, of that comparison because his dad's a one-off. And, you know, being in the shadow of someone, and I'm not saying he is, because the greatest respect I can give Darren is, you know, being this, the son of someone famous usually doesn't go that well for someone who follows in their footsteps. And he's a very successful manager in his own right, Darren. He's won multiple promotions at multiple clubs. He's managed in the championship and he's not hes not finished. So, you know, I know his dad's very proud of him. Uh, I know they're very close and he plays a big part in his life. So, uh, you know, but for me, no, no favours for Man United.
0: Um, and the second kind of part of that question was, Simon said, I hear a lot about clubs that buy players but then loan them back how do commercials of that kind of arrangement work? You know, does the club who sold the player then pay the wages or is there a pass through kind of what typically happens from a sale in loan bag?
1: So we did that. I think I want to say, and someone will have to correct me if I'm wrong. We sold Ryan Bennett to Norwich years ago. And part of the deal was because we were trying to stay in the championship that he had to stay for a couple of months, Mm -hmm. you know, to play games for us and help us. My memory is terrible nowadays. (laughs) Um, But, the deal was that they would pay his wages. Yep. We got him back on loan and then the player leaves and, and moves on. So that's usually the way it works. You don't really pay any wages. It's part of the transfer negotiation. You yep. get a freebie.
0: Is it something that is, um, you say you've. it's been a while since you've done it. Is it? Is it a, a normal kind of topic of conversation or is it really, It. there has to be something exceptional for that situation to work?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, when a club was trying to buy Ivan Tony last January, I was very strong on we didn't want to sell him. Mm-hmm. And if we did sell him, we would have to have him back till the end of the season because he was a big part of getting promoted. So, yeah. you know, that, that, that's kind of like the norm. It doesn't happen all the time. If we buy a player from the lower league and we've tried to do it a couple of times, we've said, look, you can keep the player till the end of the season. We have no problem with that at all unless we feel that player is needed right now to come in and do a job for us. Do you know what I mean? So it just depends on the two parties. Yeah.
0: Um, and I have a question from, it's actually not a name, but we've got Maverick32078. Hey,
1: where's Goose? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so um he or she said that you know they heard our conversation about um that you once had a deal in place to buy orlando city um a few mm-hmm. years back in the states without much of a player transfer market or promotion relegation it seems like the path to profitability isn't there what makes a u.s based team attractive
1: i think it's a, an emerging industry still mm-hmm. market emerging market i think in 10 years time when i see my sister The money she spends, you know, her son going to soccer practice and soccer academies and, you know, CR7 have an academy in Orlando. Mm -hmm. There's a few others. I still think in the next 10 years, soccer is going to be football, we call it, is going to be mega. And there's going to be a lot more money in the game. And I think eventually the MLS have to get their shit together and sort out a pyramid like we have in the UK. Because at the moment, it's the USL. And then you have to buy a license to get into the MLS. If they sorted a pyramid out and got the romanticism involved that we have in the UK... That industry and that market will blow people's minds. Mm-hmm. Because they're so used to watching yesterday I'm watching the NFL and you've got a team going zero for 16. And the fans are just like, oh, for fuck's sake, okay, fire the coach. We start again next yeah. season. We can go for the Super Bowl. What about the excitement of, oh, hang on, that team now is fighting to stay in the, the Premier League. It's fighting to stay in the top tier. Adding that excitement will be great for TV ratings. It will be great for competitiveness. It will be great for the market, the industry. Open up the transfer market a bit more. Make US players come into Europe a bit easier, maybe with work permits. So, I just have a belief if I was buying multiple clubs, I would buy a USL club. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to buy like a Las Vegas club yeah. and take it to the MLS. Yeah. Uh, you know, great spot, a great place to go and do work for a week, you know, every month. <laughs> You're not wrong, we love going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah, do you think that the MLS clubs would vote for something like that? Are they like their monopoly?
1: Yeah, they're a bit close shopped and because they put so much value on the license for the MLS and the money they've spent, unless you're David Beckham and you're getting it for free. But, you know, um, I, last time I, I think the license was $60, $70 million. So a lot of those owners will probably vote against it. Mm-hmm. But if they look past their noses and be clever, you know, the yeah. value of their clubs will only increase if they have a more competitive environment the clubs are in. You should never be afraid of success or failure. Yeah. Uh, and by making it more competitive where there could be the possibility of a relegation in there will lead to bigger TV deals, more money, and more value on your clubs. You know, there's so much wrong with soccer, as they call it in America, and I think it could be fixed tomorrow.
0: You know, you think of the opportunity for clubs around the country that aren't in the position where they have an MLS license. And, you know, there's some big clubs I think of in Detroit, which is where I used to live. There's Detroit City, which is a club that was really a community-based club from the ground up. They've not been able to get an MLS club. where you start to put in infrastructure that allows them the opportunity to grow. You know, multiply that across all the states, then suddenly you have a national game.
1: And you're right, and that's why I talk about Vegas. Vegas doesn't have an MLS club. Yeah. You know, another one was I think New Orleans. Again, down. You know, these are places, and you think you know New York ended up with three clubs. Right. You know, California, too many. So it, the saturation was incorrect and wrong. Instead of going right, you know, we're going to limit it, say, to two to every major state in America. So, you know, most cities are represented. There are, like you just said there, there's some massive, massive cities and places in America that don't have an MLS club. It's madness.
0: Mm -hmm. Now i got a question from, this question actually came in early in December and it's been kind of um, events of... Hang on, um,
1: hang on. This isn't from Iceman, is it? It isn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: from uh, Mike Ryan. Um, So Mike actually is talking about Jack Byrne from Shamrock and he was talking about Jack... Jack Byrne, before um, he announced that he was going to leave, which he did, I think, at the weekend. And he was asking if you'd ever had a look at Jack, was um, talking about his successes and um, not-so-good times at Wigan. But there's a lot of hype in Ireland in relation to him, and he just wondered, is he as good as people make out he is?
1: Yeah, uh, I did a deal to sign him. Yeah. Uh, he, he was one that passed my gem tracker, so we went in hard. We did a deal with David Sharp at Wigan at the time. Mm-hmm. We were going to take him with just his sell on He'd been on loan at Oldham. We spoke to his agent and the player. The player was very Manchester-located and based. And the negotiation went on too long for my liking, where the player wanted X amount of money, didn't really fancy it as a location, intimated that he would probably prefer to go to Oldham than us because of the location. Uh, We'd already heard things about him. He'd been at Man City, he'd been elsewhere. You know, and players as talented as that sometimes, maybe when they're younger, they're a bit more high-maintenance. And in the end, we took a pass, and I didn't want to get in a, an auction between us and Oldham. Um, he went to Oldham. It didn't work out in the second spell, I believe. Went to Ireland. An amazing young talent. Really talented young player. To be fair to the boy, he's had to go backwards to go forwards. He's gone over to Ireland, Shamrock Rovers, yeah. player of the season. He's got capped by Ireland um he's probably grown up he's matured Mm. and he's probably ready now and he'll probably play at a higher level so i don't know where he's going i think he's on a free yeah um you know but i'm sure his agents will get him a championship move or a league one move very good player
0: it's interesting one of the things and this may just be paper talk i saw was um him going over to cyprus with mick mccarthy which uh seems seemed random given what you just said about him um you know wanting to stay around manchester too so maybe that's just paper talk
1: But maybe Philly's grown up, you know, maybe. I I don't know at the time if his family were based in Manchester. I know he's Irish, but I don't know if his family, his parents were Manchester based. Mm -hmm. I know he'd been in their academy. It's tough for young Irish people. You know, sometimes they get homesick quickly. I understand why they want to come all the way to Peterborough. Um, You know, and, and look, it's going to work out for him. He's a talented young boy. He's probably going to get a good move. I don't think he needs to go to Cyprus to get a good move. I'm sure he could do better. Yeah.
0: Well, I got one last question, which is from Harvey, who is an Ipswich Town supporter. My question is on Ipswich Town and the thoughts of Dara regarding our current situation. The large majority of Town fans, um, I think, are pretty fed up of Paul Lambert. Two years into the job and a pretty low win percentage. But um, you know, Marcus Evans refuses to budge and actually gave him a five-year contract. Is there a point where the fan, the owner, has to listen to the fans?
1: I was good at it because our Ipswich game was called off, obviously, two weeks ago or whenever. Marcus was actually coming to the game. So, I've spoke to Marcus on the phone loads of times. So it was going to be the first time I've met Marcus. So, you know, in the flesh, I'm not going to second-guess Marcus. You know, Marcus has put 60, 70 million into the club. I understand fans of clubs like Sunderland and Ipswich demand success. They're massive clubs. Same with Portsmouth. You know, they aren't League One clubs. So, I get a manager will probably get less patience than, say, a manager at Peterborough United. From a fan base, that's just football. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul Lambert seems like a great guy. I, you know, again, I don't want to be judgmental on his failures or his successes. It was a tough job mm-hmm. to go into. And, uh, you know, who knows? It could still end in promotion. It's 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 another massive club in League One.
0: Well, the hard truth, you know, and this is something I said when we had the pre-season conversations with the Bolton fans, is that, you know, when you get relegated into a league, you deserve to be in that league, unfortunately. And there's no right, nobody has a right to get promoted just because of the size of the club. And, you know, I felt that uh, painfully a couple of times in the last 10 years or so of us getting relegated down to League Two. Just because we're Bradford and we have a lot of people going to the games doesn't mean that you're good enough to get promoted. And
1: that's true. That's very true. Very
0: honest. It's hard as a fan to to come to terms with that because you look around you and you go to, and again, not being disrespectful, but you go to a Crawley or you go to a Markham and you know those teams are doing well this year in League Two, but you go there and you think these surroundings, I'm, I'm not used to these surroundings, but that's where you are. And um, it's harder to get out of that than uh, you might think.
1: Fan bases don't play. It's players that play. And, you know, if there's mismanagement at any big club and they end up in League 2 or League 1, they're there for a reason. Yep. But the one thing I do know about football is the way it works in cycles. They're not there for very long. Um, you know, and, and usually clubs, particularly, forget about COVID, but normal times, when you've got a fan base of 20 25,000, you're on your way back up. Mm-hmm. Look, Bradford's a real anomaly for me. Do you know what I mean, they should have been in the championship yeah. years ago. But if you look at your Coventry yeah. on the way back up, if you look at your Portsmouth, on their way back up um who else could you throw in there huddersfield Mm -hmm. when i bought peter but they were down there the bottom of league one hit the premier league so if you go you know you go through those clubs usually in the cycle and they get themselves back up again um and there's no doubt in my mind um a club like Ipswich, it'll happen bradford i've said it for a long time the right management the right ownership and whatever else it'll happen because those fan base. That's just history that's just what happens they would they end up going back again they they get life, you know, um, breeded into them and they have another run. Yeah.
0: Well, with that, I'll keep, um, I'll keep clinging to that hope as a Bradford fan, <laughs> 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 you know, I may feel a little bit different come next Saturday again, but we'll see. <laughs> It'll Who do you be, playing? We got Scunthorpe away. So it's, okay. uh, they're,
1: they're in a good run of form now. Scunthorpe the yeah, they're
0: doing all right. You know, they're still down there with us, but, um, yeah. it's actually been really interesting at the bottom of the league too. So, um, you know, where none of us could get points for anything. I think most of the teams down there have been on runs the last um, yeah. three or four weeks.
1: I saw Steve, Stevenage the other day mm-hmm. as well. top talked 3-1, on didn't they? Yeah, so, and yeah. Southend
0: have won a few on the bounce. Um, so yeah. it's the gap is getting a lot closer between
1: everybody, you know. Um, so we'll see. Did you find every league seems to be really competitive because of this COVID thing? Yeah. It, it's like the Premier League's ridiculous, do you know what I mean? And, and our league's ridiculous in League One. League two, like you said there, Bradford, five wins away from maybe hitting the playoffs. It's just, I don't know because the, the lack of preseason, the congestion of fixtures, the lack of transfers, but it just seems to be a lot more competitive.
0: Yeah, life. I think that maybe there's a um, squad sizes are smaller and then put smaller squad sizes with um, the games coming thick and fast. You get some injuries, it really decimates the squad. They come back, you start. And I think you've got a lot of teams just trying to survive. And especially in League 2, it's like you don't want to be the bottom two. We just want to not, not be the bottom two in League 2 and we just want to survive. Um, so there's a lot of very similar quality teams right now.
1: A hard truth, your mindset's so wrong. Yeah. You, you, Bradford City can never have a mindset about surviving at the bottom of League 2. Absolutely.
0: But I think there's a lot of clubs that are
1: like that. No, But you, you can never have that mindset. Even if you're a bottom of League 2, your mindset's got to be, yeah, look, we're, we're going to run and win 10 games mm-hmm. in the right way. Do you know what I mean? But like talking, hearing a Bradford fan talk about surviving in League Two and not going into non-League—that's yeah, crazy. Is an eye Yeah, that's that's hard truth right there. Mm-hmm. You know. But what you know? Let's talk about Chelsea. Did anyone watch yeah. that horror show yesterday? I didn't. But I
0: read you about it.
1: What have I said about this guy? I told you. You know, he's got the worst record of all the Abramovich managers. It's amazing, really, because I'm always one of them that I want to see more English managers than foreign. But any foreign manager who had the record Lampard has at Chelsea, they've already been fired. Mm-hmm already gone so he's actually he's actually getting more time but also he's got a lot of friends in the press yeah uh, you know and they do talk about him favorably and um but if you watch like with the recruits and what they've done uh, terrible
0: the knives are out now aren't they they
1: don't need to be out it's just he's not good at his yeah. job you know when you're not good at your job of course you know people are going to come for you look i hope he does well because i want to see english managers do well but i just don't think he's a very good manager
0: Yeah, you know, it's something that I saw actually in relation to Stuart McCall and him being sacked, you know, by us is sometimes, you know, your heroes don't make good managers just because what they were as a player. And it's really hard for you to um, come to terms with that sometimes because you have the dream that they're going to be the one that takes you to new heights. And, you know, it seems right now that it's not happening for Frank Lampard.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, you watch, I've watched their last three games and they're like, yeah. Yeah, clueless. Do you know what I mean? I'm I'm not sure what the right shape is for them. He he changes the strikers like you change underwear. Do you know what I mean? It's just, yeah, there's no, uh, there's trouble there. If he loses another two games, I reckon he'd be gone. So, uh, but they have a squad that could win 10 in a row.
0: And you talk about, you know, the league's being closer. In the Premier League, you've got four points separating the top six, which is great. For, uh, yeah. you know, given how uh, it's probably not great as a Liverpool fan <laughs> at the moment, but it's great for everybody else. To be fair, I'm going to watch
1: them tonight, but they have been shit the last two games. They've been really poor against Newcastle and West Brom. And now I, I've always kind of, assumed, you know, you think they need to get a defender in, but I don't know about Fenway. You know, the deals they were doing in the summer are playing time, And now they're talking about maybe they don't sign a defender. In I mean, fuck me. We've got one fit, you know, proper, and that's Fabinho, a midfielder at the back. If you want to win a league title, they're going to need more than that. And, uh, you know, uh, tonight's going to be an eye opener because they've been poor the last two games. If they don't go out and beat Southampton tonight, for me, Man City win the title. Look, well, you know, we, we've we been, we've been spoiled with a league title last year and the Champions League the year before. So, I'll cut Jürgen a, a bit of slack. He's very supportive of his owners. He's come out. And he said, oh, COVID, and money, we and probably want to sign a defender. So, he says all the right things. But, you know, if, if if Fenway were really wanted to go back to back with two double with a title and beat Man United, which could turn out to be really exciting, they're gonna to need to get him some help. Because otherwise they're down to the bare fucking bones defensively. I mean, it's getting embarrassing there. Do you know what I mean? Like and uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting. We'll see tonight.
0: Yeah, and you had Leeds continue to um, you know, play their football and get beaten while doing it.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I said this at the start of the season. I said I I think Leeds will be top ten. At the moment I think they're twelfth. And you know what? Yes, there's a lot of people who want to slate Yelsa for you know getting battered by Spurs, getting battered by Man United, you know whatever else. But you know what? That that football is you know they look listen they looked out of energy against Tottenham the other day. In fairness, but I think they'd won the previous game before that West Brom to beat by five. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like that up and down. It takes some time to adjust to the Premier League. Premier League is a hell of a league. So. Uh, I, I would not be critical of Leeds at all. Yeah,
0: would you rather see football like that? I'll be scrapping every week like West Brom, and it's be pragmatic football. And, uh, you know, that's good for a season if you stay up, but it gets boring pretty
1: quickly. I'll tell you what it gets is exhausting, where you're hanging on every year with the same battle. You know, um, Stoke did it for years. They had a few good years where they finished top 10. The last couple of years became exhausting trying to hang in there. They went down. Sunderland, the same. Every year seemed to be a crisis. Another manager, Sam, coming in to save them. You know, West Ham seem to have booked that trend where they've been struggling the last few years. They finally went a bit more domestic. They brought in good English players. And now they seem to have cracked it with Moisey. So, yeah, what would you rather watch? Would you rather watch your team go out and try and play or try and grind out a 0-0 at Anfield or a 1-1 at Anfield with, you know, 10 players behind the ball? I know what I'd prefer.
0: It's an entertainment business at the end of the day.
1: Correct, Mondo. That's exactly what it is.
0: So on that note, let's wrap up today's pod. We're going to be um, back next week, which is going to be January the 13th, next Wednesday. If you uh, enjoy the show and you haven't yet, we would love for you to rate and review it on iTunes as well. That just makes a big difference for us. So
1: Definitely. um, Happy New Year.
0: Until next week, any questions, continue to send those over to contact at hardtruthfootball.com or go to the website, fill in the contact form, which is slash contact. And we'd love to hear from you.
1: Sounds good, guys. All the best.
0: All right, until next week, take care everybody.